Welcome to Documentary Diehards, the show where three sports fans break down one 30 for 30 documentary each and every episode. Sam, Ren, Nick, we're back again with another, uh, this is the second one, I guess, a little uh, divergence from our normal format. No 30 for 30 today. Instead, uh, a Netflix documentary series called Swamp Ass, I mean Swamp Kings, and it's uh, it's about the Florida Gators uh, champion, football team championship run in the late aughts, uh, Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, uh, you know the deal. So uh, it was a four-episode thing on Netflix, the Untold series on Netflix that's been putting out some big uh, documentary, sports documentaries. Nick, what did you think of this one? Or this, these four episodes, I guess. Well, I I watched um a week and uh, a week ago or or so, so it was uh you know a week and a half before the college football season kicks off here, and I immediately had regrets over starting it that long before the college football uh, season started because it just got me amped up for college football, and I couldn't wait for it to start, and uh, so now I'm feeling better now that we're only two days away, at least from the Gophers starting. There's a couple of uh, a couple of games last weekend, but, um, yeah, but, um, otherwise, uh, I mean, as far as the doc goes, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it brought me back to childhood, brought me back to Tim Tebow being on NCAA, um, you know, football, uh, playing with him as a kid watching, uh, you know, that team on, on TV. Um, and then just, I guess, seeing it from behind the scenes. Cause I feel like at that time I was able to like, be a spectator for the success that they had, but not necessarily like, you know, the people on the team other than uh, Tebow um, and uh, be able to analyze it a little further detail, um, you know, by going into the locker room. Um, but yeah. How about Sam? Um, I was wondering, did we choose this as a doc wish list at some point? And I could not find it on our spreadsheet, but I feel like we did. I threw in a Tim Tebow. Uh, one at one point um okay. i did a brief uh like search on our spreadsheet and i saw tim tebow like i had mentioned that so i don't know um uh, what i said about it but uh yeah at least that was mentioned okay yeah i think i do remember you talking about how like crazy cool the teams were and stuff that florida had and i guess my main takeaways were just how intense sec football is which we all knew that already but urban meyer just took it to a whole another level i feel like he's just like the most intense guy to the point where it has impacted his health like several times um so that was a main takeaway another takeaway was just how awesome tim tebow was and how incredibly talented the, the gators teams were that urban meyer recruited um and just that winning is the the main objective and anything else can kind of go by the wayside they talked a lot about like the and i think they could have talked a lot more about the trouble that a lot of the university of florida players were getting in um but it was just all about football and if they were talented and could help urban meyer win games and eventually national championships it didn't really matter um so yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, four parts went by pretty fast. I think they actually could have like gotten more out of it. Probably. What do you think, Ren? 
Yeah, I was a little um, worried when I first started it. I was like, four, daunting a little bit, four episodes, but they were 45 minutes each. And yeah, they did go by fast. They had to get a lot in there. I get that, guess that was part of it. Um, overall, yeah, it was enjoyable. Um, some really good memories brought back. I felt like I remembered a ton of this, these uh, probably postseason games that they were in, these massive games um, from growing up. I have pretty vivid memories of the, that first jump pass um, that Tim Tebow did and then the second one as well. And um, so there was a whole bunch of stuff like that that I hadn't thought about in over a decade probably that was cool to relive. Um, should we just kind of take it, uh, maybe just divide it up a little bit, start with Tim Tebow? Should we just talk about Tim Tebow a little bit? Obviously, he's, you know, one of the two main characters, him and Urban Meyer probably, and there's a, a lot of other main characters too, but they're the two big ones. One one thing that I think is uh, that was really a fun little anecdote was Tim Tebow was talking about the first time he ever played football when he was six or whatever, flag football or touch or whatever, and he was – you know, his coach, his peewee coach was saying, it's just all that matters is if you, you have fun, you know, um, as they say in youth sports. And he was like, that five-year-old me was like, what? No, it's all about winning. And, you know, that was like literally a theme of this whole thing. Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow, it's all about winning. And and then that just pay, pays itself off with the famous uh, Tim Tebow speech. You know, I promise we'll, you know, We'll never see guaranteeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry for the loss, and then I promise, well, no one is going to work harder. And, um, and yeah, there was like that moment pretty late. I guess it was probably the last championship season, um, in either the championship game or maybe it was a couple games before that. And halftime, he gave this speech in the locker room. That was like that was like goosebumps. Um, there was a lot of stuff like that with him where it was like these cool moments were just so raw um what 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 were your guys' overall takeaways of Tim Tebow I think we probably were all fans of him growing up especially in his his heyday yeah I mean he's exactly how I remember him being at the time you know and um everything about how he was like the golden boy kind of from Jacksonville gets recruited to the University of Florida stays home and then lives up to all the hype um you know, LeBron James is known as the guy who lived up to all the hype, but Tim Tebow definitely has to be in a conversation with that. If you, if you think about all the pressure he was under and the fact that he delivered two national championships, a Heisman trophy and an undefeated season that lost in the sec championship game. Like that's a pretty impressive resume. Um, and was a first round draft pick. Like you can't really ask for a lot more than that. I would say, and probably one of the greatest college careers of all time. Um, but yeah, it was it was all the extra stuff that this documentary provided that made me respect him even more. You know, those midnight workouts and stuff that the University of Florida uh, were doing, and Tim Tebow's like at the center of it, working out with the linebackers and just being like the ultimate leader and then that that speech you talked about and just his willingness to do whatever it took to will his team to victory whether it's rushing the football or getting in people's faces or whatever it is um it, it was it was pretty awesome to see and um yeah i enjoyed it a lot rudy any takeaways from tebow yeah i mean i i love tebow um 
you know, for a lot of his principles that he stood for. And then just the type of guy he seemed to be in, you know, it seemed that, you know, this documentary just uh, further cemented that. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Well, first off, I guess all of his interviews were kind of funny to me because it seemed like he was just like hopped up on like benzos or something. Just he was so mellow. Oh, yeah, I was gonna talk about this too. Yeah, Yeah, and and it was just like he was just talking in such a different way, and so it was just kind of funny. He's whispering. He's like, yeah, it was like this sexy voice he put on for some (laughs) reason. I don't know why. Urban talked to us in the the locker room. Yeah, so much. And he gave us everything he had, and so did I. I was like, what are you dying? Literally. And <laughs> and he's I mean, he's a, speaks for a living. You know, he's on ESPN and he does you know motivational speaking or public speaking all, all the time. And so like he's doing it on purpose. It's for a reason. It's like he wants to come off a certain way. So that was annoying. It was probably the only annoying thing from him. It's like, what are you doing? You're in your armchair <laughs> in your house, like trying to seduce us. Like, what the heck? Was I was here for it though. <laughs> I'm glad you guys mentioned that because I was thinking the exact same thing the whole time. It's like, can you speak up a little bit, dude? I don't. Yeah. Even I can't even imagine them editing this, and they had to. I mean, you know, they're even hearing it, recording it live. I'm sure they were cranking up the audio and wondering why he was never raising his voice or even speak. I mean, it was like a whisper. It it was a different sound. You know, he usually has a higher voice. It was a deeper voice than he. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, and even when you go to, you know, like his uh, speaking engagements, when they um, had some of those kind of clips, you know, he was, you know, boisterous with his sound. He was, um, you know, vocal inflection was, you know, more there, but nothing here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've heard him talk on ESPN every season for a couple of years, like, it's not what he sounds like, but. Trying to be dramatic or something, like. And, and another thing going back to you know kind of like the doc and, and him as a person like um i really enjoyed i thought it was very cool how you could see he was you know a leader from being very young so um like the example being when he came in to the program um well first up it was cool seeing some of his highlights um or from high school and then some of his you know like how he would talk to his teammates and lead them in high school but um, then when he got into college and he's like, all right, I need to like basically set myself up with like the leader of this team because I want to be the leader and and that's how I want to set up. I need to work harder like in those midnight workouts, like you were saying, Sam. Um, but so he contacts Brandon Seiler, who's got to be like the polar opposite of him. And he's like, hey, I want to hang out with you. And Seiler's like, you know, and we'll get to talking about him more. Um, but you know, his quote was like, all right, this guy, like he wants to party <laughs> because, you know, now he's not homeschooled anymore. And, um, but it was actually just the opposite. He just wanted, you know, to know how he was leading and, and, uh, to learn from him so he could, you know, carry that on or just to lead in the same type of environment. And I think that's cool that he didn't just force his way in, um, when he came in as a freshman, but he wanted to learn from the current leaders and then, you know, expound on that as he went. It's also interesting how, what would have happened if Tim Tebow was not like a workout maniac? Most quarterbacks aren't. What if he was a skinny quarterback, just as talented, maybe not as much of a runner, but what if he was Johnny Manziel or, you know, someone smaller who's, who's a great college quarterback 
but can't couldn't impress everybody in the in the crazy workout uh weightlifting sessions they had like how would that have gone that that's what i kept finding myself thinking because obviously tebow's huge right and he's always been huge he still is and that seemed like it um fortuitously just worked out with the you know that insane workout culture they had in the football team what if he had just been the build of a tom brady you know that's a really interesting question. And I think this documentary focuses so much on the weight room and stuff, because that is where Tim Tebow thrived and where the whole team was getting work done at midnight. But maybe it's more of like a on the field type thing, you know, running sprints or in the film room and things like that. Maybe that's more of a focus. If Yeah, maybe. But like the seemed like, you know, the other stuff wasn't weighted as heavily they didn't i mean obviously the documentary but even just like guessing what like urban meyer's whole thing was whenever you know the chips were down it was always okay go to the weights yeah go do these military workouts it was never study harder in in the watching film or anything it's just a weird like it all worked out i don't know i was just gonna say maybe the answer is that a quarterback not like tivo couldn't really thrive in urban meyer's culture but i mean like alex smith it was like his first quarterback and he was awesome and his you know had an nfl career was number one overall pick all that stuff and he was under urban meyer and he's not a runner or a weight room person so right i don't know i think that that was i i guess we don't know what that culture was like at utah right like yeah there still had to be a brandon seiler there to enforce that and you can't enforce like a heavy weight room unless uh, like emphasis, unless there's leaders of the team that are there to buy into it. So at the very yeah. least, it's different, of course, but. Right. Yeah. There wasn't anything like that. It just seems like that's where he built tons of his cred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause he was in the trenches with them or that's how he could show yeah. that he was going to, you know, he wasn't going to expect anybody else to do anything different than himself. Right. Here's a theory. If if he never has to lift that many weights, is he a better quarterback, a more NFL-ready quarterback than the Tim Tebow we saw who really couldn't throw the ball very well? Maybe if he spent more time working on his throwing mechanics and less time in the weight room, maybe he's still in the NFL. Still? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was always going to do that. I, I don't know. It's... Uh interesting though um okay to me the the biggest um dissonance in this documentary is urban meyer and tim tebow one is like the perfect person quote unquote and the other one is the opposite (laughs) and at least that's kind of how they're coming off yeah and uh and they both what's wrong with tim tebow dude (laughs) <laughs> oh sorry i thought you're yeah, yeah, no, you, you had a switch <laughs> and they both like in a certain sense are super similar right they're both in a lot of ways and this whole document laid out how they're very similar they they think exactly the same way about winning about competition how do we wrap how do we make sense of that and how that worked when it's they're so different and so similar yeah, I think that they were able to have enough commonality 
between the two to be able to have those conversations that led them with the competitiveness to be committed to, you know, striving or driving this team towards the common goal of winning and, you know, winning it all. Yeah. It's it's like competitiveness trumps, trumped everything else, every other trait probably. Yeah. I think passion and competitiveness, you know, passion for football, competitiveness to try to win a national title can overshadow a lot of differences between people. And so it's like everyone's working for one goal. And that goal for both Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer was to win as many games as you could and eventually win a national title. And you you can like overlook people being terrible people if they're working towards the same goal or they can help you get there. And, you know, Urban Meyer was clearly a really good coach and a great recruiter. Tim Tebow worked really hard and was a great quarterback. It just kind of worked worked out. I don't know. And I think Tim Tebow had full trust in Urban Meyer. So even if his tactics weren't always, you know, or if they, at times they were questionable, I think he had the full trust in him that, yeah, you're trying to make us work harder so so we reach this level that we're not capable of reaching without going through this. So, um yeah, I think they're able to connect on like a religious or faith level too, which helped um, kind of you know bring things forward to or more of that trust even off the field. Yeah, I I don't think any response. Maybe, maybe I don't think hardly any responsibility for like you know the fights, the to- some of the toxicity in the locker room, and you know just you know fighting each other and stuff, etc is it falls on any of the players really i mean it was coaches i would who i would blame 99.9% for all that um so i wouldn't really blame tebow for it though i would say he probably looking back i i think he, he would maybe even ad- admit it a little bit in the doc but hardly that he did you know some of the stuff was wrong i think he would probably say that i wish we had gotten probably more prodding from whoever's asking him the questions for this doc about that stuff. Cause that, what's more interesting than that, you know, asking him like, do you think that the tactics that arguably helped you guys be the best team in the nation for four years was partially wrong. And then what's he going to say to that? That's to me, that's interesting that I, and then I wanted to hear more about that. And I'd be curious too, did that culture carry over to Ohio state? Was he the same coach? at Ohio State, and that's how they became really good? Was it as toxic there? I don't know. That's for another documentary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, save that for part two. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, sure. Okay, so let's talk about Urban Meyer. I think I've talked enough about him, Sam. <laughs> Us. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this looks like a, it's tough because I don't think they made him seem as bad as he probably actually is. You know, like he clearly has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way now, especially with like the Jaguars thing that became a lot more public recently. But I think, you know, the focus was so much on his intensity and his willingness to do whatever it took to win. And it was like an obsession, right? And that's why he, that's why they were so good. Um, He literally talks about, and I could feel like I almost got like more anxious or like stressed out just hearing him talk about how anxious and stressed out he was when he's talking about, yeah, we, at one point he was sleeping like four hours a night and got like addicted to sleeping pills because he couldn't sleep. And 
he they win a national title and everyone's celebrating. He can hear the players celebrating and he's literally sitting in his office texting recruits for the next yeah, year. Yeah, that was he, disgusting to me. Yeah. That's one like of the that. worst things in general is when like in a post game show after someone wins the World Series or the Super Bowl and the commentators are already talking about next year. I'm like, so what are we doing this for? If yeah. even on the same day as the t- championship, we're already looking forward to next year. It's just to, as someone right. that talks about sports for a living, that sickens me. And you were like, he worked obsessively and stressed so much and all of that stuff, lost all that sleep to win a national title. That's his only goal. And then he wins the national title and he, he's a sick enough person where he can't even enjoy it. And like, that's, that's, terrible like you're gonna burn out super fast and i feel like he's burned out a bunch of times because of that probably mm-hmm. um but it's also one of the reasons he's really good because those recruits are probably like oh that's pretty sweet the coach is texting me right after a national title i'm important i'll go there mm-hmm. so you know it's it, it, i don't know it's it, it was just really really fascinating to get inside his head a little bit but i i think they could have gone a little bit deeper and challenged him a little bit more on certain things Yeah, I mean, this, um, you know, looking back at it and reflecting on it, um, it was definitely a pro-Urban Meyer um, documentary, right? Like, you watch this, like you said, Sam, you feel like you are, you know, rooting for the guy or or like you you feel like it's this positive spin on things. I feel like it's a way that he, you know, views it kind of like when, you know, we talk about The Last Dance. It's like, you know, that's straight through the eyes of MJ pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, his tactics were, you know, probably screwed up in some ways and they rubbed him wrong or other people wrong, but that's what he needed, um, you know, in order to get people to the next level, what he thought. And I feel like Urban Meyer is kind of the same thing. Like this, this documentary is seeing things through his lens. So this is why I didn't cut people, you know, after they got arrested, they had that, um, that, um, show, um, this is why, you know, we were able to win was because, you know, we did all that military military um, training and that hard stuff. And and so these are like what I was trying to do behind the scenes. Do you think that, you know, that's likely not 100 percent accurate? Um, it's easier to make those connections, you know, after the fact as well. Um, but it was definitely a pro. It was interesting to get in his mind, interesting to get in the locker room. Um, you know, and, and how he talks things, how get in his mind and how he viewed things, too. I also noticed finally, as I was watching the last episode, they do the credits, you know, at the start of the episode. And I noticed that it's either partially produced or something or in partnership with the Players Tribune, which was. I nodded in uh, as it made sense to me, the Players Tribune is essentially players it's like a media company they can write their own articles a lot of them do it after they retire and so it's almost like a union you know so like this made it's not but this that made sense like why urban meyer was you know (laughs) made to look good everybody's made to look good um like you like you alluded to nick like the last dance there was some approvals that had to be there were some deals i'm sure um, as there is with a lot of things. So I, I I wasn't, you know, surprised that they didn't like ask Urban Meyer the hard hitting questions. Um, yeah. Is it better to have Urban Meyer and not really challenge him than it is to not have Urban Meyer and kind of shit on him? 
like you're the documentary is probably going to get more views and be more highly regarded if they actually interview urban meyer right mm-hmm. we always yeah. talk about that like oh they didn't get their that the main interview that we wanted that's something we've talked about over and over again and if mm-hmm. urban meyer isn't interviewed in this it's kind of like well that would have been a huge get but you bring up a good point though like is an interview with someone who you can't ask anything you want to really the interview you know or yeah, is it a half the interview yeah um which is a whole can of worms and, and the, the other thing is where did they get all this locker room workout video that's from the university yeah. of florida um which i would assume there was some sort of trade there where it's like well we want approval of how you use it you know um so it's it's there's so many complications with this kind of thing, especially with the breadth of the kind of coverage they had they had of it. But I mean, it, it was good, and and most documentaries, you know, I, I think not that I know a ton, but I think you run into stuff like that all the time. Um, and they did just focus on Florida, and a lot of the other Urban Meyer stuff that maybe we're alluding to is not when he was at Florida. Some of it was obviously. Yeah, what was this? I, I'll say I thought this was missing Aaron Hernandez story. Um, I guess you could argue that this was a, that was a lot of that was after as well. All they did mm-hmm. was really mention that he got in a bar fight when with him, when he was with Tebow, and that was pretty much all they ever mentioned Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, obviously a huge piece and something that kept coming up when all the Aaron Hernandez stuff was going on. Um, was the fact that he was a big contributor to this Florida team and that a lot of his troubles started when he was a college student in Florida. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been a, a nice get, but I'm not like, yeah, like you said, I'm not surprised they left it off because it is an after thing. They could have focused on Tebow's Tebow mania, whatever that was in the NFL and his baseball career. Like there's a lot of stuff that they could branch off to eventually, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, found myself wondering like why didn't they dig into certain things more they touched on things really briefly and it was so long that i thought they could like there was a brief little couple sound bites from the running back and and you know spikes talking about how for a while there they all were resentful of all the attention tebow was getting mm-hmm. and then they kind of just stopped talking about that i thought that was the only time they really dove into Tebow mania uh, extensively, and then it was over. That could have been done more, I thought. There was a few things lacking, obviously. Um, I, mean, I thought that Tebow mania thing was kind of awkward because they went to talk about his speech. And it's like that was a you know crazy speech. And I don't know. It's like they demeaned the speech or, or I guess uh, like the press conference. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was like one of the more powerful statements that the documentary had prior. And so I thought it was just like this weird because when they first presented it, all the players were like, that's exactly what we were thinking. Like, you know, that and that propelled us like he, you know, to know that he was thinking the same thing we were and he wasn't just taking that all on his own. But then, like, you know, later, then the documentary more framed it as like that was part of it. So. I thought that was a little weird. Yeah, you're right. I agree. What else from this, Sam? Any other just random takeaways from this? I think just touching on what you said about the 
um, the video from the locker room and the weight room was pretty incredible. And some of the better footage that we've seen in a documentary and all the ones that we've watched, I thought like, I felt like I was in the weight room or in the locker room with them, like right next to the person giving a speech. And I, I just was blown away by it. I understand why they were shooting the, the speeches like for posterity, but I didn't understand why they had them as they were, you know, doing chest presses. Like who was shooting that? The trainer, mm-hmm. the weight, the weight train, like, and it was high back quality then. Video too. It had to be like a pretty yeah. quality. It wasn't just on like a flip phone. It was odd. And like nowadays, if they were doing that, it would never be filmed because they would be self-aware enough to realize that people would see it and that people, some people might not like it. Maybe back then they were, I mean, just the t- the era, they were like, well, this will be great for a documentary someday. <laughs> yeah, for real. Because it's not like all the speeches were, yeah, PG. They were like, let's go murder these yeah, and we almost got we almost got the when they were like fighting each other. We almost saw that. Yeah. We saw like the starts of that. So, I would have yeah. loved to have seen like all ten minutes of that film, just yeah. Tebow and Spikes yelling at each other. Like that, when they were telling that story, I was like, "Please keep going with this. This is awesome." Talking about the two side, like basically two sides formed in the locker room, and then Urban Meyer just comes in and he's like, "Let's go get them out there, boys." Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, that wasn't as cool as I wanted it to be. Right, right. Like, oh, that's, that's all it took, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one of the more endearing parts of, of Urban Meyer's interview to me. It was when he was like, uh, he was like, Spikes was literally modeling what I do, which is get after people when they suck at football. And he's like, mm-hmm. so that was completely my fault, which I appreciated that part, especially from Urban Meyer, because he was right. Yeah. I think my final takeaway is just it's clear to see why Urban Meyer was successful, but he just seems like a very miserable person with his success. You know, it's like something's driving him to be so successful, but like he never smiles on the field. Like there's just so many different ways you could go about it. And so many other coaches have done a better job of, having success and actually enjoying it. And I just think that's something that has lacked in his career. And that really sucks in a lot of different ways. Cause he could have had so many awesome moments with players and even just himself enjoying these once in a lifetime moments that most coaches and people never get to experience, but he just kind of missed out on it. Cause he was always just so focused on the pressure and the next thing, you know? Yeah. And even if he looks back on it and is like, yeah, that was really awesome. Like, you know, and you have a relationship or something. It's like still not the same as like in the moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Like actually smiling and being like, we, we did it. Or like, we're on our way to doing it. We beat this team by 50. That was awesome. You know, that's why like when he had that first quote after they won the, I think it was after they won the first national championship where they're like, where he's like, wow, like now, you know, I can be happy and uh, for the rest of my career or something. Yeah. Just I don't know. I don't remember how he said it, but just right off in the sunset, everything else is like, you know, cherry on top. And uh, like, as he was saying that, like just knowing the type of guy he is, I'm just like, there's no way like 
you know, that that's not going to be the theme. And then like, you know, there's just this long pause and he said, and that was the biggest bullshit I've ever said or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's about exactly right. So stuff like, like that and moments like that made, made the documentary so good and so much better. Like that's mm-hmm. gold, you know, that's a great, that's any movie, whether it's a documentary or not, that's an awesome moment. Yeah. And that they had a couple of those, uh, several of those in this. So, Totally. And it was long enough where, yeah, those were sprinkled in randomly throughout in the, what, 180 minutes of this doc that we got. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed a uh, couple of final thoughts. Like, I enjoyed uh, that Brandon Seiler from, like, their first uh, Florida team, if you call it that. But he was, like, the senior leader on this on the defense. He is so scary in those videos. And, like, in the weight room videos, like, I cannot imagine um and it just so scary but it was interesting just to get his perspective on things and some of the things he was saying how he was trying to lead brand spikes mm-hmm. um the running back story that he tells about the running back shows up so they all have to they're doing a core workout and they have to keep their feet off the ground yeah, and, thank you yes and then a running back a freshman running back walks in halfway through the workout so they have to stop and start again because if any yeah if anyone like messes anything up they have to start again so he he says to the freshman like if you mess this up again i'm punching you in the face and then the freshman was the first one to put his feet down and then brandon siler literally just walks up to him and punches him in the face and brandon siler's just telling this story as if it's like yeah this is what i did back then i told him <laughs> Yeah. I kept putting myself in a position of like freshman football player coming. Like, were you guys doing that? Just trying to imagine going to those workouts as an 18 year old on the football team. Not that like any of us played college football, but like if you were, like, I, I would be like crying later. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. How intense they were. Like, that freshman was probably like went out the night before, got drunk, shows yeah. up late, hung over. Yeah. So he can't even do the workout and it's already hard and just gets socked in the face. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that Brandon Seiler was a monster. Yeah. And then I liked, I liked seeing the evolution of Brandon spikes throughout the documentary. Um, First as like, you know, just this prized talent and, and then like not really wanting to buy in totally that he had to be a leader. And then just like how that grew, um, you know, I wrote down a couple of quotes of his, like, you know, he said when he first got to college, he's like, I got to college and there's beautiful girls everywhere. And all the beautiful girls are like studying. They don't have any clothes on and they're going to class. And, and like, he just like subtly like threw in, they don't have any clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was the funniest thing. Um, and then, uh, and then like after they won the national championship, he was talking about like going to a club or, or a bar and getting free drinks. And he, he, he said that his uh, uh, mantra was, if it's free, give me three, <laughs> yep. which was quirky. And then, um, and then the other one, I, uh, uh, other story that he shared was like, you know, talking about Tebow and how they're trying to figure out, or everybody's question is like, Oh, is this guy actually like, you know, as perfect as he is. And, and he's like, so I pulled out my phone and I showed him a picture of a nude girl and he's like, oh, what is that? And he turned away. I'm like, oh, this guy's serious. <laughs> hey, you just got to do little tests. You know, you got to see. You got to make sure you find it for yourself. And, and then I was like, what kind of phone does he have in 2006 or 2007? 
Uh, yeah, I was trying to figure that out. Too. Like a Nokia flip or something. Yeah. He's like downloading this this nude and it takes forever. <laughs> and it's, Nokia. it's like pixelated and yeah. <laughs> um sweet. Do do we want to do a rating? I, I we're off format here, so I'm lost. Um I didn't give it a, a rating. Why don't we just like generally say what it would be? We don't have to get into like too specific, but like did like the area you you think it would yeah, be. Yeah, I I put it 6.0 roughly. Like okay. Good. I I sort of recommend it, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't recommend it like um enthusiastically. But mm-hmm. yeah, for all the reasons I really I did like it. Uh, just looking at this right now, I'd probably go in like the high 7s. Um like I said, really liked the the video and all of that, but um, I, I definitely think there could have been more and more challenge to Urban Meyer and his his ways. Yeah, I, I'd give it somewhere in the eights uh, personally, but knowing that that's like entertainment, right? Um, if I'm trying to get to the, um, you know, the the uh, meat and potatoes of this, um, you know, whole um, four years that they cover, like I would want more of that in depth, you know. Yeah controversial you know topics but entertainment wise i was definitely entertained and um i think most if not all college football fans would like it yeah something that made me remember that i didn't like how much they colored it it was like like a like a movie you know how a lot of movies are really either blue or orange and this one was a lot they just it was so uh saturated but a lot of these untold ones i watched a couple of them and they're like that they're tried to look like a cinema um, like a major motion picture type of deal, but that's just not my style as much for a documentary. Oh, I was just gonna say, I got me this documentary got me from uh, going straight from uh, Swamp Kings. Uh, is that what's called? <laughs> I forget yeah. what it's even called, but uh, right into Johnny Football's. Um, oh, I saw that. <laughs> I want to watch it. I watched yeah. the Netflix one already. I'm surprised you haven't watched it, Sam. Yeah. No, I did. Oh, you did. Wait, is it the same one? It's untold. Yeah, it's right on Netflix. Yeah, I thought there were two separate ones for some reason. I did. I did watch that one, but I watched it before Swamp Kings. I watched it. Oh, weeks ago. Yeah. When it came out. Mm -hmm. We'll have to talk about that one. Maybe that could be a a different day. Yeah. Lots of thoughts. Okay, well, uh, moving on. It's it's late August. NFL starts. Can you believe it? Next week. So we're going to pick teams. Sam, can you give us the format? We're essentially going to all pick. We're going to each pick 10 teams and ride them the rest the whole season through the Super Bowl. Sure thing. So I got this idea from uh, Mina Kimes podcast. Basically, her and Mike Golick Jr., they go and they draft all 32 teams um, back and forth. So each of them has 16 teams. And then they add up. Um, scores and whoever wins at the end um, is, is obviously the winner. But how it works is every uh, game that is won for your team or your 16 teams, every game that they win, you get a point. Um, playoff, making the playoffs is worth five. Each round you advance is worth five. Um, so the conference championship is worth 10. And then the Super Bowl winner is uh, worth five, I think. Did I explain that well? Yeah, I think that's right. 
Yeah, ten um, to get to the or ten to get to the conference, ten to get to the Super Bowl, and then five more to win the Super Bowl. Yep. And so, yeah, the idea is you just you just try to draft the best team that you can, teams that you think are are going to have good seasons, and then at the end we'll add them all up. And I think we agreed this time we're going to do a thirty dollar wager, um, from all of us. Money. Money, um, money, money. What's the order? The order is me and then Rudy and then Ren. And Ren, snake, I right? Like we used to the spreadsheet. Do you have access to the spreadsheet or I can send it to you? I'll pull it up right now. I'll start us off. I'll get us going hot. With the first overall pick. Hmm. I think I'm gonna take I think I'm gonna take the Eagles first. Um the Chiefs are obviously a, a, a top pick, top contender. I just think the Eagles are going to win a bunch of games, and the NFC is easier than the AFC. So that's, that's a, a strategy I was thinking about too. I, I put them into I ranked each conference, but yeah, mm-hmm. like you, you can get those regular season wins probably more easily in the NFC because the teams are just not as good overall. Right, and even in the playoffs, like you're like more likely to advance if you don't have to play. Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or yep all right Rudy yeah I'll just pick the Chiefs I'm not gonna overthink it (laughs) Patrick Mahomes that's all I gotta say yeah (laughs) my number one overall is still sitting here so (laughs) really go on (laughs) thanks for sharing yeah I just thought you guys might want to know how I'm still happy with the third pick and you know anyway Uh, (laughs) Buffalo is my wow until Diggs just destroys that team but yeah Yeah, i don't think i think it's overblown i i seriously do think it's overblown i i think if we're gonna do i i guess i just said it but i do think the bills are gonna win the super bowl this year that's my take ren i don't even think they're gonna win the east really yeah i I don't think it's that hot take i think they're due um, I think it, they'll beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, but that's another conversation. Yeah, I go again. I'm gonna take the 49ers. What do you think about the 49ers? I don't, I don't know. I'm waiting for Brock Purdy to be Mister Irrelevant. Actually, I think um, relevant enough, and they have so many weapons. If, if quarterback even matters that much for them, <laughs> yeah, I know it hasn't it's just so far. So freaking good. Like Garoppolo, this was a while ago, but Garoppolo wasn't very good. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't doubt if Sam Darnold comes in like halfway through the season and just lights it up. All you got to do is somehow have Christian McCaffrey's gloves touch the ball. Like, <laughs> it's true. You know. Or Debo. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Or George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. They're sitting pretty. Sitting pretty. I have no idea where to go here, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, hmm. Rams. Rams are always a safe pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go with the Rams. Or the Bears. Oh my! Um, I will go with the the Dallas Cowboys. Ah, that's who I would have taken. Probably does that hurt your soul a little? Yeah, I feel like you just made a deal with the devil. Mm. I'm just, I just need to know that you feel that way. But yeah, okay, good. <laughs> that's funny. But when Trey Lance takes over in Week Six, oh man, I get back to back picks now. How do I want to do this? Um, okay. I think I'm gonna go. I think the Chargers are gonna have a good year. I'm gonna go with the Chargers. What's debating them? And then I think I part of me wants to take like the Ravens, but 
I feel like the safer picks the Bengals, or do I just leave it and let someone else make the mistake and I take the Lions? You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the Lions, and I'm going to I'm gonna let someone else make the mistake in the AFC North. Stick to the NFC. Stick to making mistakes in the NFC North? The Lions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I think the Lions are going to have a good year. For the Lions, they will, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a hard knocks junkie. What can I say? I'm going to go with the... Hmm. I'm gonna go with the Jaguars. Ooh, baby. <laughs> How do you like that run? That's the best go, Lions. Ren's just gonna go chalk with everything. He's gonna be like, <laughs> I can't believe you guys have What's an opinion. I, I can't believe you guys have an opinion other than that. You can have an <laughs> opinion, Vegas but you don't need to like reach. <laughs> oh guys. It's did anyone take the Chargers yet? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Sam reached for them. Yeah, I reached for them, Randy. I don't remember? think that was a reach. <laughs> it was the Lions you're thinking of, his reach. Okay, I'm going to take the Bengals. Obviously. Wow, shocker. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to take the Giants. Whoa, what a reach that is. Holy I shit. I don't think so. I had them pretty high in my... You're taking the fourth best team in the NFC East as, as your pick? Fourth overall? Well, the NFC East is by far the best division. It's almost the, they almost have the top three teams in the conference. Maybe. All right. They're going to flop. They're in every other year conference or division. Yeah, no way. I'll reluctantly take the Jets. Ah, oh, nice. They had a private high for me. All right. I am going to take a Ravens team that uh, almost beat the Bengals without Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year, if you recall. Remember that? Mm-hmm. They were at like a one-yard line, and then Hunt, uh, who's who's their backup quarterback again? She tried to jump oh, over Brent the line. Huntley or something? Huntley, yeah. He, he uh, tried to jump over the line and fumbled, and they took it 99 yards to oh. the house. Remember that? <laughs> I forgot about yeah. that. They had him like on the ropes. <clears throat> um, That's like me and Madden. <laughs> All right. Especially with Joe Burrow uh, with the cat injury. Uh, Carlton Thing Towns injury, not cat, but animal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely would have stayed away from the Bengals, but that's just me. The... Yeah. You did stay away. <laughs> you let him drop and plummet. I did. I did. Yeah. All right, I'm. T- I took the Ravens. Man, that NFC South is just sitting there full. But I'm gonna take the Seahawks because they have to play the Cardinals and the Rams four times. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yep. that's, that's a good pick. Get some points. So that division, take- man. Oof. I'm gonna go with the Steelers. Nice pick. I think they're gonna have a good year. They can't not make the playoffs, right? Well, under Mike one. Or uh, be uh, five hundred. Yeah. yeah, they can't have a losing record until Nick picks them. <laughs> no, no, just for you. <laughs> Wonder how many times we hear the stat that Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. I've in the last year, I've probably heard that stat fifty times. I feel like yeah, in the last month, I've heard it almost like seventy <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Let's go. I didn't think Ren would take him. New man on the Minnesota Vikings. 
That's that's like such a homer pick, Ren. Oh my god. Yeah, Ren. Jeez. Act like you don't cover the cover the team. Yeah, what teams do you cover in the NFL? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, and then I'm gonna go <laughs> Miami. Oh, I thought they were gonna slide to me. I was gonna be so happy. That's a great pick. Thanks, man. That was a great selection. Better than the Vikings. Chalk. Chalk. Enough. <laughs> you saying chalk just tells me that you think you should have taken him. Then. Hmm. It's getting sparse out there as I'm looking at the teams. Wouldn't have been it would have been so funny if I would have put an uh a, like just not put a team up and then selected them. <laughs> oh, you probably could have gotten away with it. Like I'll take the Eagles in the eighth round. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought there was a team on here. I just I just can't place them. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> For the listener, we are gonna leave off two uh teams because we're each gonna have ten, and there's thirty-two teams. Let's find out who they are. I'm gonna go NFC South dive. I just don't know who to pick because they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yikes! I'm scared to take any of them, but clearly there's no good teams left. So I think there's a couple of decent teams left. Oh, really? Which yeah. One? <laughs> 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 Um, I will go with the Panthers. Wow, we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna ride the uh, Bryce Young train, the Adam Thielen train. Yep. Okay, I will take the. There's a clear two you should take, in my opinion, right now, Sam. (laughs) Don't mess up. You just love throwing that in there. <laughs> like on draft night, on stuff like this. <laughs> it gives me joy. Do I want to root for the Falcons or the Saints this season? I think I'm going to take the Falcons. I'm just going to stick to my bird theme. I have the Eagles, the Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Falcons so far. What are the birds remaining? Cardinals. And I am also <laughs> going to select Titans. That was the right pick. I mean, you went 50-50 on those two, so good job. Thank you. They have the fourth worst odds to win the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. The Titans do? Yeah. I feel like they're being slightly underrated. Like, they didn't lose Derrick Henry. They still have Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. They got Hopkins. They have Frable. Yeah. I would have went with them uh, for the next one. I considered the last one, but... They don't play in a good division. Like, right. Yeah. Like, they might not win the Super Bowl, but I can't see them being like a three or four win team. I think, like, I think they're going to make the playoffs, unless I maybe am forgetting uh, something, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they could challenge for the division for sure. All right, Rudy. We got one team left to pick. I think you have more than one, don't you? Yeah. Where are you picking 10? No, I'm at one uh, in Ren's book. Oh, oh yeah. Ren said there's only one good team left. Sorry. I'll go with the Packers. All right. Boo. Yep. Very good pick, though. Defense got to win. Again. Not a very good division either, I guess. I mean, it's not yeah. terrible. But... Uh, okay, I'm going Saints. I think they got to. 
a road, a super easy road to division title. You're, you're thinking of the same Saints that we're thinking of, right? Yeah, New Orleans or? Yeah, not the same ball. And I'm not, I don't even like Derek Carr as a passer, but whatever. Hmm. Um, you got his on that team? <laughs> uh, Browns. Yeah, that's a good pick. I don't love it, but Sean is decent. They're gonna they like have a chance to win the division for sure. Their roster is really good. I'll go the Broncos. Those are the two picks I probably would have made. So that leaves me. I'm gonna take the Patriots for show. Like decent value. They they always win a chunk of games, even though I mean they went eight and nine with Matt Patricia as their offensive coordinator. So I feel pretty good about that one. And then, do I want to go Commanders, or do I want to go Raiders, or do I want to go Colts? I'm going to go Commanders. Hey, that's what I wanted. I have one more pick. You both have two more picks. Oofta. I will go... I'll go with the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Bears and the Buccaneers. Um, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Texans, Colts, uh, Rams, Cardinals. No, I'll take the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still have Stafford and McVay. even though he can't connect with the young kids. <laughs> that was. Uh, let's talk about that later. It's so lame. <laughs> so I, I had a feeling that the Cardinals were a lock to not be drafted. <laughs> this is the one, and then I was thinking it was probably going to be the Texans. Yeah, but I don't feel great about the Colts either. No one does. But uh, I guess I'll take the Colts. Jonathan Taylor doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so which leaves us with the Cardinals and Texans remaining. I had Eagles, Chargers, Lions, Ravens, Seahawks, Falcons, Titans, Patriots, Commanders, Colts, Rudy, Chiefs, Cowboys, Jags, Jets, Steelers, Panthers, Packers, Broncos, Raiders, Rams, Wren, Bills, Niners, Bengals, Giants, Vikings, Skull, Dolphins, Saints, Browns, Bears, and Bucks. Looks good. Um, this will be fun to follow. It, probably in like the first week will be boring, second week, but then like three, you know, once we get to like a couple of weeks in, it'll be fun to add them up because we'll be adding points after every Sunday. Uh, this should be fun to follow and, and watch me win. I guess that's not <laughs> going to happen. Um, okay, this was fun. Uh, enjoyed Swamp Bass, and we'll be back with maybe a 30 for 30 next time. Uh, peace out. Bye, everybody. Bye.